he was really my spiritual father and it really hurt and it caused a lot of divisions but i was like you know this is what this is what the scripture says but this is what this is what christianity is saying and these things are not adding up he started telling us that girls you need to you need to dress for your future husbands you shouldn't be dressing for anyone else you and i'm sitting there <laughs> as a 10 year old going i'm 10 why am i wor- why should i be worried about how i'm dressing the openness and sharing and the honesty and how difficult that is because you it, it can be used against you and when that happens you know a, a time or or maybe two if you'll even after the first time will open yourself up again it it's uh it's really painful and it, and it becomes you feel really isolated come over me for this guy and it, it, just his facial expressions looking around like i don't belong here mm. and that made me feel so sad and i was just like i don't belong here either then so pervasive in that culture of like this this idea of american exceptionalism and and like we have to have this flag and we have to be like if if you aren't for the war if you aren't for whatever then you're not really a christian and i'm like how does that fit with a cross um and and that i think kind of shattered the like the, the armor already had a lot of cheeks yeah. But that kind of like was the final blow to be like, okay, I don't know that this is true. And I'm kind of starting to believe that it's not. For the most part, I kept those questions to myself um, because I started to get this feeling um, as much as I loved my church, as much as I loved um, the people there, as much as I felt like this strong sense of belonging, I, I, I really did not feel like it was an okay place to ask really difficult questions. But I I have always thought that that's so not toxic, but like unhealthy because it's teaching us how to be clever and like sneaky with things that we're doing. The Scott Stebbin Podcast presents a Deconstructing Faith series where we look at people's stories of what was built, what was lost, and what was found in between. Episode 11, Megan Allen. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have been enjoying this series and hearing everybody's stories that have been shared. And today is uh, my guest, Megan, a good buddy of mine and also a world traveler of sorts, doing (laughs) it all. So, Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Megan, for those who may not know who you are, uh, can you just do like a quick introduction about who you are and kind of is what you do? Yeah, so I am a destination wedding photographer by a career choice, but I actually went to college to become a missionary. So I went to Northwestern College in Minnesota, a small Bible college up in St. Paul, and my degree is in intercultural studies with a minor in Bible. Um, and I was fully, fully on the path to become a missionary, hopefully in Latin America. Uh, I ended up getting married, 
had a beautiful son and it was just not um trajectories changed you know um so i ended up you know marrying this amazing man and we stayed here in the states and i wound up getting into wedding photography which when i first started i said well you know this is completely useless for the degree that i just got <laughs> but um <laughs> it is actually pretty amazing how everything kind of has beautifully symbiotically come together in the sense that I absolutely love intercultural weddings, working cross-culturally with couples. So a lot of my weddings are out of the country. A lot of my weddings are with couples who are not the same um, cultural beliefs or um, religious beliefs as I am. And it's been really, really amazing and eye-opening to just see how much how many beautiful cultures there are in the world. And, and so I definitely think that I'm still utilizing the degree just in a different way than I'd planned on. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I would even, yeah. And I'd even say just even like having that training as a missionary, kind of doing international cultural studies or whatever, uh, whatever that degree is like, yeah, I mean, cause you're very good at just going into these places and kind of quickly understanding the culture and just being able to, you know, help cater to the people who've hired you to, do your wedding so that's uh yeah so that's fantastic yeah yeah so uh megan so you know you said you kind of went to school to be a missionary but before you went to school kind of talk a little bit about kind of like um you're growing up in the church and kind of the early stages of your faith development sure so for me i grew up in a conservative christian home um from from birth so i i always laugh like uh a lot of my a lot of my friends will joke and they'll, they'll be like, wait, how did you grow up? <laughs> so I feel like I, I have um, shifted some of my mindsets, but um, I'm very, I'm very grateful for the wonderful upbringing that I had. Um, I do attribute uh, some of that to the church. And so we, we attended church. We were those Wednesday night kids. We were in the youth group. We were there Sunday morning, Sunday evening. My parents were very involved in the church. Um, so I, I grew up running the halls of, uh, of a church. Um, we were particularly in the Church of God denomination, so it, it was. It's interesting now to kind of look back and see. There's so many different varieties of Christianity, mm -hmm. um, but it was definitely one of the more conservative ones. Looking back, um, so yeah, I was very involved in church. I was there multiple times a week. I, as I grew up, obviously I helped out as much as I could. So I, I come from a very traditional upbringing in the Christian church. So. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, so I guess when you say traditional and conservative, like what would yes. that, like, what would that entail? Because I know sometimes we can use <laughs> those words and sometimes it almost seems like, you know, like I could have grown up in a this is know, very, very conservative church and sometimes we could have like the whole, the completely culture, different. both our churches could be completely different. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if if like we want to compare like the different types of churches or whatever but when i when i say traditional which is absolutely like traditional to me which is not everybody else just like you said mm -hmm. um my my norm was you know going to church on on wednesday nights um doing like your bible studies with the small groups we would you know obviously our, our group interacted outside of church as well and then sunday morning sunday school then into regular standard group worship on afterwards. Sunday evenings were always, you know, a youth group activity or another service, um, what have you. And throughout the week, my parents, obviously, we were doing Bible studies, prayer, you know, very um, every day we had we had some sort of involvement with with our with our uh, 
Christianity in, in one in one form or another, I guess. Um, yeah. So I guess for me, it was um, very much like the the values were make sure you're reading your Bible every day, you're praying every day, you're taking time to be in communion with God, um, really dissecting the word, figuring out what it means, you know. Um, so we were very, very focused on those things and making sure that, you know, morals and upholding and everything was in line with what our church believed. So I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah. So, so I would say, cause usually when I think about, you know, and, and I guess the way I've easily broken it down, especially since I started going on my doctorate journey is that, you know, you have churches that are, have a very strong evangelical, which is basically, you know, it's about the word. So it's the study of yes. the word, it's the word. And then you have some who it's the um, sacraments or um, the ordinances. That's a very focused. So it's all about, you know, the main focus is on, the Lord's table and baptism and, and those things. And then you have like more Pentecostal, which is more about the Holy spirit running wild. So <laughs> that was say, not us. <laughs> yeah, I would say that, yeah, that definitely would not be uh, me either. <laughs> like like I, we talked oh about God. the Holy spirit, but we're not running wild. You know? <laughs> no, I actually, it was so funny, but that just made me think I, my first experience in a Pentecostal church was during college. I, would, I was dating a guy in college who was a very hardcore Pentecostal when we went to his church. And I remember being so shocked at the difference between like a Pentecostal worship service and an evangelical, like what I grew up in. And I was like, what on earth is going on? Oh yeah. So that was, that was a whole, a whole thing. And, and yeah, that was, that was a hilarious experience looking back on it. But yes, we were, we were much more of the, the evangelical, uh, in the word baptizing those, those types of things, not quite as animated as, uh, as, as the Pentecost. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so pretty traditional, you know, going to church almost anytime when there was something going on at the church, you're there yep. engaged in studies. Probably. I, I know you went to summer camp cause I was yep. there too. So that's how we <laughs> yep. went through summer camp. So, you know, always doing all these Christian things. Um, then you go to college and, and would you say your college was more conservative or kind of moderate or what, how would you describe? Very your, conservative, very conservative. Very conservative. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. And, 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 which is always funny because, uh, my, my father has accused me of going to college and becoming a liberal. And I was like, I promise you that did not happen. <laughs> the college that I went to and, and you so, know it's, and you know what's funny about that Megan is I hear it's the same people say the same thing about when I went to Anderson uh, which is a, yeah. again a Christian college in Indiana that's associated with the church of God it was like people I've even had people who I knew from Ohio who went there and then left there saying well Anderson's not Christian enough because you know they kind of and I wouldn't necessarily say liberal but they really push you to ask some of the hard questions yeah. to really figure stuff out and and really know what you believe and start throwing some other sources that kind of knock you off your pedestal like american gladiators they're going to yeah. hit you and either a you're going to fall off or b you're going to knock the other person off or you're just going to tie and you're just going to stand there and i think a lot of sure. people just didn't want to get knocked off their pedestal or didn't want to have to sit up there and fight. So there's like, you know what? I'm just not going to participate anymore. <laughs> yeah. When I think a lot of times in, in Christianity growing up, at least for me, you did, it wasn't a uh, critical thought process on what do you think it's here is what it is. And this is what you will think. 
And so then when you go into an academic setting where people are requesting you do think and you do analyze, how do you how do you change that? You know, how do you transition into that after you've kind of been programmed to just, you know, this is what we believe and this is how you'll believe and, and go with it. Don't ask questions, you know. Oh, yeah. um, so so it is a thing where it, it's a culture shock when when you go to college and then suddenly you're being asked to really question, not like question your faith in the sense of like, do you truly believe it? But just really question like what what it means to you. You know what I mean? And when it, when it becomes your own versus your parents or whoever, you know, the pastors or whoever else's belief. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I think that's kind of and I think that's kind of the. Um, I think that's kind of almost like the dynamic of any type of faith, whether it's, you know, Christianity or, or any other religion, it's kind of the idea of there's like a communal view, like I go to this church, and this is what we believe, and this is what's being taught. So your identity kind of gets shaped within communicate in, in community of what you believe. Yep. And then you go somewhere else. And now you have someone going, okay, what is it that you believe? Yes. And even if you still and you may be like, well, I believe what my church taught me and what I've what they what my parents believe. And then as you start learning more stuff about certain, you know, about certain things about the Gospels or how the Bible was put together or looking at some of the more detailed uh, nuances within each book and kind of what the main theme and what the main points were. And you kind of go, oh, well, wait, this is starting to shift a little bit yeah because and i and i and i get that and i don't miss and that's the thing it's not necessarily it's a bad thing because you know you do have a foundation like you said at the beginning is like you know you're very grateful for having that upbringing and having not only being in the conservative church and having that upbringing but also you know having two parents that were able to bring you up and i think that's a good almost like kind of like a good foundation in some ways and then it's like okay now i'm going to kind of branch off and kind of say okay you know what is it that i believe and how is what i'm experiencing and what i'm reading in the scriptures and how i'm having my communion with god how is that transforming me to you know to have a better relationship with christ or or how to understand you know religion and the role of the church and and all that stuff so yeah i mean i mean and you joke about how your dad goes oh do you want to do a conservative christian college to become a liberal like well i can see how that happens but basically it's just we're not blindly believing what we're told you're we're now exactly because i mean at the end of the day you have to understand what you believe and you just can't walk around blindly sometimes yep Exactly. Right. exactly. So, so Megan, so as we hear your story and kind of your upbringing, when did you start seeing some of the cracks? When did you start seeing some things that started kind of leading to your a deconstruction process? I would say it started around like between the second and third year of college. Um, the first year of college, I it was honestly looking back, it was quite a traumatic um year simply because I I started out uh, playing basketball at a um, division two college in New York City Um, or not New York City but New York State Um, so up in New York um, it was another uh, conservative Christian college I had a full ride to play basketball um, and it was it was amazing when I first got there but then I quickly realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do Um, and so that year was like a growing year for me on like trying to figure out who I was Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up leaving the college. Um, I broke up with my my boyfriend. I ended up dating somebody else. And 
who is now my husband. And so it was just, it, there was a lot of transition and a lot of like, holy crap, who am I? Um, and in, in, the, in that year, I ended up, I, I left the college and I took a year off um, from school because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I ended up going down to South America and living with the missionaries who were the regional, um, now I'm going to forget their actual technical title, but they were the regional directors, I want to say, mm-hmm. of Latin America. Yeah. Um, I worked at an orphanage and I was working with street kids. And that's when I really fell in love with um, keep, like working with people and doing cross-cultural things and being with young people in particular. Um so through that process, I really started to like fall in love with the people and, and the communities and things and the imperfections that come with that. Um, so that's when I decided to go back to college to go to school to be a missionary, um, particularly in Latin America, hopefully. Um, so yeah, so then after the second year of college, I ended up having to do more internships and different things like that. So I ended up going back to South America and interning for another set of missionaries who are very dear friends to me. Um, in Ecuador. And then I also started working back at my home church. And I was working as, you know, a pseudo youth pastor of sorts. Like I I have no qualifications at all, but I was there and like, you know, like just, just sussing out how I feel about youth pastoralship and different things. Cause at that point I was kind of deciding exactly which avenue to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, I love, I love working with teens. I love working with young people. Um, and it was after a particular sermon um, that the pastor had spoken about homosexuality. And that moment, af- after, the, after the sermon, I had a kid turn around and look at me. And I remember this plain as day. It, she looked at me and she goes, do, do we hate gay people? Mm. And that question has stuck with me ever since. And it has bothered me ever wow. since. That the takeaway from that sermon for her the way that she heard that sermon was that we as Christians hate gay people. And, or at least that was her, you know, she, that was like, is, is this, am I hearing this right? You know what I mean? And I had honestly never really considered how that sounded until mm. she brought it up, you know, and, and I have, I had always grown up in a conservative home. There wasn't a lot of, um, there wasn't a lot of cross-cultural experience with any anybody in the LGBTQIA community at that point for me. Um, playing basketball, I, I I had a lot of friends that ended up coming out as gay, mm-hmm. um, but no one did while playing basketball for our colleges, you know, because oh, you're yeah. at a conservative college, like you would never dream of doing that. Um, and even, you know, like even in high school, you know, my friends might have been searching, but they were never going to like come out at that point, you know. I think the dynamic has changed a lot in, in the past 20 years and, and kids are more comfortable, you know, coming out in their sexuality earlier. But when I was growing up, that was not the case. So Mm -hmm. for me, having a, having a teen ask me like, Hey, do we Christians hate gay people really bothered me because I was like, I don't hate gay people, but I see where you're coming from. And I don't, this feels icky that like, (laughs) now I'm questioning, like, what was this, what was the sermon about? You know what I mean? Um, so that was really part of like the start of me really questioning, like, what are we presenting and what are we worrying about as like a Christian Christian culture in America and everything that I'm going to like share is strictly my experience as American Christianity. And I, and I always, when I talk about Christianity, like publicly, 
I always preface it as American Christianity because I truly do not feel that the Bible represents American Christianity at this point. Um, <laughs> so, oh man, I'm 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 waiting on the lightning bolt to come down at this point, but it has And I'll guarantee you, you're probably <laughs> not going to find that lightning bolt if you were looking for it. It's not coming. <laughs> I'm I've I've joked I've joked about this and maybe this is the first time I think I'm publicly going to say it on a but I feel like sometimes I feel like those of us who have been going through this deconstruction stage those of us who are kind of having this like different kind of revival outside of the church this like renewing of our spirit and I don't necessarily think it's everyone's mission but at least I feel like you know there has to be a point where you know some of us you know, some people our age are trying to convert the church back to yeah. the Bible and back yeah. to the teachings of Jesus because it has the pendulum has swung so far away yeah. from biblical what the Bible says and what the Bible teaches that we've kind of had this almost yeah. this church teaching almost has kind of become idolatrous in some ways where it's yeah. this mixing or this blending um of political thought in the bible and sometimes that's not yeah that's not good um yeah. in my opinion <laughs> yeah oh i i 100 agree and i i think that at, at the base of all of my deconstruction like the foundation for me is just american christianity versus what i i think I've read in the Bible, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, I'm not infallible. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. my interpretation may, may very well be completely off the mark. Um, but I just, I always come back to the fact that I just, I can't wrap my head around what I'm seeing as, as, as the church at this juncture mm -hmm. in America currently, yeah. you know? Um, mm -hmm. So, so that's kind of where it all like comes back to me now versus yeah. at, like as throughout, throughout this uh, deconstruction, but yeah. Um, so I would definitely say like that was the start of it for me. Um, yeah. And, and, and let's actually let's just pause there and really unpack that, because I feel like this is a very. Oh, my goodness. This is a very interesting. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because, A, first of all, I don't think I would ever. And if I have, I definitely would want someone to point it out to me, you know, remove, you know, at least remove the speck from my eye or pull the log out of my eye in some ways. Um, but I never felt like that when I would read the scriptures, even when I would read the scriptures on that, some people would say were, you know, clearly speaks about homosexuality or the LBGTQ community. Never once would I ever say that, oh, well, we as Christians are supposed to hate those people. Like right. I would never, ever have drawn that line. Um, and I think even in some ways, you know, again, because I mean, I went to Christian college, I went to seminary, and I know people who were in seminary who were in those Christian colleges that are, identify as either lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, you know, and, and, and they're, you know, either they're not in church or they're in like some of your progressive churches like the UCC right. and doing like feeding the homeless and involved in church services yep. and doing that. And, and I always, and, and a lot of times I think that 
when we look at that community and we look at the Christian community, you know, there has to almost be some type of bridge to really be able to have those conversations and to really go, okay, you know, A, we don't hate you. We don't see you as abominations like the KJV may say or anything else. Um, and even if someone who is, th- who, nest- who may not be a hundred percent on board with, well, you know, homosexuality is not a sin because they're going, well, the Bible says it is, and they want to lean that way. And if that's their, and if that's the way you want to lean, that's fine. At the same time, you would almost would have to get to the point, but would have to almost come to the conclusion, or I think that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I hate that person. Right. And but I also so think I, that there's a really pervasive and damaging statement that it isn't just used for the lgbtqia community Mm -hmm. which i again like i'm going to preface this by saying i am cis straight and i i am totally speaking from a cis straight perspective and i would never dare to um try to interpret someone's experience um that is not my own but this is just from years of dissecting this with friends in the community and hearing their stories um so i don't ever want to say that i'm speaking on behalf or through an experience that i have personally had um Mm -hmm. but um to come back to it like i do think that there's a statement that like is damaging that i heard all the time growing up is love the sinner but hate the sin Mm. and i feel like that's such a damaging statement when used particularly with the lgbtqia community because you're basically saying like i love you but not really because like (laughs) (laughs) and so like i and i've had this conversation with so many people and 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 i've heard from them like that is the worst thing to hear because you're like you like how do you how do you take away somebody's very essence in the sense of who they love you know what i mean like it's a completely it's a completely you can't divide those things. You know what I mean? So you're basically saying like, I love you as long as you don't do this in front of me or bring your partner around or act like you, know what I mean? And so it's just like, I don't, I don't think that that's a statement, even like, regardless of like, whatever we want to, whatever I'd say we as a Royal, we, um, whatever the church wants to say is, you know, X, Y, Z against whatever. You have to think about how those words resonate to the person that, is is having those those experiences for themselves you know what i mean um and i just i feel like we have a lot of statements like that these blanket statements that we think are like super you know profound and yet we're we're damaging people before we even realize it by saying things like that you know what i mean oh yeah yeah so. and, and and that's and i think it's it's it, it falls down to two points and this is just stuff that i've seen and i've either i've read it or i've studied it as a counselor and looking at data and everything else like there's i i i see the fallacy of love the person but hate love the sinner but hate the sin yeah like i see the fallacy of that because it's almost like Because even if, if if we just take like the LBGTQ out of it, and let's just put like someone who's an alcoholic. Sure. If I want to love that person, I'm going to love them. Do I, right. do I like that? I don't, do I like that they have an addiction to alcohol? No. But does that mean I hate it? Not really. But in the same way, it's like, cause if I say I hate that, then there's always going to come to a pass where I don't want to be around an individual when they drink. So I, in a way kind of, remove myself because i hate 
what they're doing or even the environment they in, like if they're at a bar or something. But if I love that person, I really genuinely care about that person's well-being, whether it's a physical, mental, and even spiritual well-being, then there's someone where I have to go into sometimes those places to be able to love them. And I think through loving and through caring for them, that that can kind of bring a transformation in their life. And by transformation, whether they stop drinking or even in the LBGTQ, whether that transformation looks like they now have a closer communion with God, they mm -hmm. feel like that they're no longer, you know, God's bastard children. Right. Um, or even in some cases where, you know, there's books and there's other stories where people who've had a been to a church and it was a very loving environment and they didn't go live off the mantra of love the sin or hate the sin. Mm -hmm. There's times where people have either a close relationship with God or sometimes they had a shift and they no longer identify. And it's like, and sometimes it's hard to wrap my brain around it. Cause like, well, how can you can have two people who can have the same experience of going to church, being in a loving, caring church, people love them, support them. And one can have a transformation where they no longer feel like they identify with that community anymore and other people still do feel like it but both of them have a very devout faith in the lord i have no clue how that happens but at the same time that's probably not for me to understand that either <laughs> i think that's a whole other conversation i think that is a whole um, other conversation and i think that's something that's very fascinating but i think the foundation of that is just simply loving and kind and letting people know that there is a God that loves them and they don't hate them and that right. you can actually have that relationship with him. Right. Well, and I, and I think too, I, for me, and, and this is a bit of a segue, but not, yeah, not completely. Um, <laughs> but, um, but my big thing is like, I, um, the first time I ever had a, a engagement session for an LGBTQIA couple, mm -hmm. um, I, I obviously I live in Ohio, um, south, south, uh, what am I? Southwest? Yeah. Southwest yeah, Ohio. Southwest. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me figure out my directions. Um, I, we're not like super, super conservative, but we're definitely not progressive in these oh, yeah. parts. Um, and, and so we have a community, but it's not a, a big, big community, you know? Um, so it was my first time ever photographing, a, a couple of the LGBTQIA community and afterwards, like I, like throughout the session, they, they, it just felt like they weren't quite themselves. You know what I mean? Like you can, oh, yeah. you can tell after you shoot people, like whether or not they are photograph people, I don't shoot people. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clarify. Um, um, no injuries, but um, after, like, as you photograph people, you can tell when they kind of let down, you know what I mean? Their guard and then, and then they become themselves, you know what I mean? And yeah. so my goal is always to, to see that happen because then the good photos happen. Oh, yeah. um, and so throughout the session, I could just tell that that wasn't really the case. And so I kept joking with them, like, you guys hug each other, kiss each other, love each other, like put your hands on each other, you know? And, um, and so finally, finally, we, we got past that moment and I saw it happen. And then the rest of the session was just beautiful because you could tell they were just really enjoying themselves and they, yeah. and they felt comfortable. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was like, okay, cool. And, and that happens regardless of 
who the part who partners are. You know what I mean? Like mm. I get I get straight couples that look like they just met each other. I'm like, y'all need to <laughs> y'all need to figure out <laughs> what you're doing here. Like, is this arranged? <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, like most of the time it's not. But it's so funny because like every once in a while you'll get a really stiff couple and you're like, okay, we gotta we gotta interact here. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, so like I I left because I thought it was just they were they were shy and you know what I mean like because it is awkward to be in front of a camera and somebody be like kiss you know I'm gonna take a picture of it yeah um and so afterwards I got a text from them and I I'm so glad I wasn't driving when I got the text <laughs> but you should never check your phone when you're driving so <laughs> here's my the PSA you for know. the day <laughs> exactly there's my PSA for the day um I got I got the text and they said we just wanted to tell you thank you because we knew based on your social media that you were a Christian and we weren't sure how you would react to us being a gay couple during the session. And we have never felt so loved by mm. somebody who claimed to be a Christian. Wow. And I cried. Like Jeez. I just sat in my car and cried because I was like this, it should not, that should not be the takeaway. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like they, they should have been able to come into that engagement session super excited super ready to celebrate the fact that they're getting married and this was like right after marriages were legalized in ohio mm -hmm. so this was like very soon after and and so like i just cried because like again i had never put myself in that situation because obviously i have had the right to get married oh yeah mm -hmm. forever you know yeah. and and i i never realized just how how important it was for somebody just to feel seen and safe you know what i mean and then for them to also tie that into oh well we knew you were a christian so we didn't know if it was going to be okay you know what i mean and so they came in apprehensive based on like what they knew as my faith and and again like it, it reiterated to me i'm like why why are we making it harder to come to christ by putting these roadblocks in front of people when we ourselves, regardless of our our gender identity, our sexual preferences, we all have things that we need to work through. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and 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 here we are, you know, stating, well, because you're you're loving this person, God doesn't love you. Yeah. And and and, and when did we become judge and jury on that? You know, and when did we become when did we decide to open the church doors to particular people? or at least make it harder for them to get over that hump of deciding to come to church. Maybe no, they have questions, yeah. but they're scared to come because they feel, oh, I'm an alcoholic, I'm gonna be judged, or oh, I'm doing X, Y, Z, I'm gonna be judged, or oh, I'm gay, I can't go to church because they'll judge me. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're, we're inventing roadblocks <laughs> to Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I can, and I, I'm literally, I can even remember, um, and this was when I was at a, just candidating for a church and you know they always and that's always a question they always ask pastors about you know what's your view on lbgtq issues and i remember one of the questions they asked me was oh if a gay couple came to the church would you allow them to come into the church and i would and i said oh yeah yes i said <laughs> yes yes if people i said and i simply put if people want to learn about god and have a closer relationship a closer communion with god absolutely they can come yeah. to church and then the next question they asked was, well, and they and they kind of shook their head like they were in agreement to it. So I'm like, okay, you know, all right, cool. But then the next question got me. They said, but how long would you keep them at the church if they didn't 
you know, oh renounced. And, and, and there was a part of me that sat there and I oh, thought. Oh, I'd cringe. No, oh, oh. And there was a part of me that sat, okay, so basically we're going to put a timetable. I'm proselytizing and converting somebody. Yeah, we're going to put, but here, we'll put a timetable on an LGBTQIA couple that comes into the church and they have, let's say, a year before they're done. But yet you can tolerate the narcissistic rich man who always puts a bunch of money in the plate, but always tears people down in the parking lot and gossips. You can tolerate that person for 30 years. Mm-hmm. But you cannot tolerate that for Speak a year because they have. And plus, who am I again? And it goes back. Who am I to put those restrictions on people who want to come and transform? Right. Because obviously something must not be going right. If the 30 year old nurse, the third the guy who's been attending church for 30 years, the narcissistic Mr. Moneybags, who has yep. a negative attitude and is always sinful all the time. Mm-hmm. If he's not tra- if he's not having a transformation experience by the Holy Spirit to have a closer communion with God and kind of turn away from his, you know, idolatrous, idolatrous behavior. I can't even say that word today. <laughs> <laughs> man, we're all worked up, man. We're all worked oh, up. Man. We're, we're going to church right now, man. We're going to church right now. So, <laughs> but, it, but it's like, it is. And I think you're right. We put too much roadblocks on certain things. We'll put roadblocks on this community or we'll put roadblocks on this person who does have a drug problem. I mean, in my last church I was at in Ohio, I mean, I had people who were going to NA meetings and they were coming. Some of them have relapsed and they were coming to church. I didn't kick them out going, oh, I can tell you're relapsed. Get get out of here. Yeah, no. Like, no. No. Absolutely not. I remember one time there was a fight that broke out in the parking lot after an NA meeting, and I was out there cooking steaks, and there's these people like fighting, Bust and everyone broke it up. And, and I remember there's two women who are kind of leaders who actually did come to church. They saw me watching it, and instantly they thought, oh no, we're going to get kicked out. And that shouldn't like, be the case. We're not going to have the meeting. And I went out there, and the first thing they said to me, go, Pastor Scott, please don't kick us out. I'm like, why would I kick you out? I mean, I'm a counselor. I know about drug rehabilitation. It's like, I'm like, what happened? And they kind of said, what happened? I'm like, no, you guys are good. I'm not going to kick you out. Right. And I mean, the police came and they kind of, you know, wrote up a report, but I wasn't going to kick them out to the curb. And even if anybody in the church said, hey, are we getting rid of them? I'm saying absolutely not. This is no. a place for healing where else? for them. Yeah. Where, where else they, are, where would they, they go? Yeah, I mean, and then but they can say, oh, well, there's another there's another meeting on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's like, yeah, but Saturday, this is the meeting here. And this is a place where people can get to help. They can get the sense of community and feel like that they're loved and kind of help them kick their kick their habit and kind of continue to be in remission. And I'm cool with that. If if you have someone who relapsed and they're trying to fight or saying a bunch of school swear words out in the parking lot in the church. It's not like I'm going to be like so offended by it because right. God's going to like curse the church because someone said the F word in a parking lot. Like there's probably someone who probably walks through the parking lot at night, probably swearing up a storm and I don't hear it. So, right. It's not like, Oh, well, someone swore when I was sleeping. So apparently that's why we can't have growth. No, you can't have growth because you're not being, the church you're not, that you're not being the that church god had created us to be yep so, anyway we're, we've been on this tangent for a while <laughs> oh <laughs> man we could talk like well, you said, we could talk more and more about this um oh so yeah we see that so we kind of see that as kind of a big 
kind of foundational point for deconstruction was there anything yeah. else in your journey that kind of led to more cracking the cracks in your de- in, in this deconstruction process yes and it's actually it's, it's funny because it's not um it's not the same but it started it, it felt it felt the same in the sense of like who was allowed to come to church mm. if that makes sense um okay. so um the more i interacted with people and the more that i saw you know the church like as you said like you said a couple things that were just like oh my god yes but um <laughs> tithing oh my god mm. tithing tithing obviously is a very biblical principle and a very important part of you know a lot of people's faith based based systems right mm-hmm. yeah. and obviously the church needs money to exist i get that mm-hmm. um Oh my! I I have so many things I want to say, but um. <laughs> well, you, you, I mean, I have I have all the time in the Dude, world. We have Maybe time. you don't, but I do. Oh my god! Oh god! Um, but um, yeah. So like, I I watched people get away with things who funded the church, which like you kind of touched on it. It's like Mr. Moneybags can be a complete dillweed, but since he's funding the, the church, you know, we're gonna let him let him get away with it. Yeah. Um. I saw that happen and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Or like the people who are super active in church, like the, like the one who is like constantly volunteering, but then has a really crappy side attitude about other things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Like they're like, well, they're, they're really active with the nursery and we need nursery workers. So we're going to let them, we're going to let them act a fool over here. Cause we don't want to lose them in the nursery schedule rotation. And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and, so like I see these things happening and and, and like if you're if, if if somebody was super active in the church, their bad behavior elsewhere would get overlooked. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. and I'm not saying we we kick those people out either or that we don't, you know what I mean, we don't we don't allow them to work or whatever. I'm saying like why are why why are we so scared to counsel them on things that might not be perfect because we're scared they're going to go elsewhere or leave or you know, or stop tithing or whatever else like there's this fear in in a lot of the churches that I saw that like well we can't we can't upset the people who are funding us you know what I mean and it's yeah. like this, eh, just because they're giving you money doesn't mean that they're like living true like truthfully to the word so where where does your allegiance then fall are you are you worshiping money or God, are you trusting God to provide the people you need in your church? Or are you trusting that person that just has the deep pockets? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, so I saw a lot of that and I, I was getting tired of that. Um, but for me personally, um, I had an experience where um, obviously we, when Matt and I, we, we had a beautiful, Matt is my husband, by the way. <laughs> um, so I, I just said his name and people will be like, what? Who's that? Um, so So Matt and I had a really incredible church when we lived in Wisconsin. Um, we absolutely loved it. And we, we actually like, we still talk to the pastor and his wife to this day. They're like freaking incredible. I love them to death. Um, and, and honestly they spoiled us for life with churches just because we just felt like that was, that was where we were called to be. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we moved to Ohio, we really struggled to find a church home and, and, Partly because we do have very strong beliefs about everybody is welcome at the church. And like in, in there's just so many different things that we really do that are, that are hard things for us to like get past. You know what I mean? And like, and one for me is like 
are, are women permitted to preach? Are women permitted to be an active part of the church or are we required to take a backseat? Because there are denominations that are like, women are not allowed to be pastors or you know what I mean? Like there's just yeah. different whatever. And so like when I go into a church, if, if the first thing I find out is that women are like relegated to the nursery, I'm not coming back. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just like, I, I am, that's just one of my hard things. And, and obviously um, we want an, we want an inclusive church. We want a diverse church. That's another thing. Um, we really like, we really lean on diversity. We want multiple cultures. We want, we want cross-cultural experiences. And so that's really hard to find in Southwest Ohio as well. Yeah. Um, um, and so, yeah, so like, there's a lot of different like criteria that, you know, like we're hoping we find in a church and whatever. And, um, and, and, and we had an experience that um, we thought we'd found a church and, um, but there was a little bit of back history from, you know, from my part. And so we, we asked the, we asked the pastor like, Hey, we, we sat down privately and we're like, Hey, you know, um, there, you know, there's some, there's some stuff in the past, but it's all over now. Is it okay if we come to the church? We don't want, you know, we don't want to we don't want to be a distraction in any way, but like, there's, there's no problems in it, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so it was, it was totally respectful. He's like, yeah, no problem. Everybody's welcome here. I'm like, okay, cool. So, uh, so we ended up that, you know, we were going to, we were going to decide and just test it out, test the water, see the church. And before we were even able to get to the church, um, we were recontacted and told we were not welcome <laughs> because of the past histories. Um, which was super, super inconsequential. I'm not going to get into it. Um, but it was just, it was, it was very, very, very childish, non-necessary things. And, um, but I remember sitting there being completely floored that, um, that we were told that we were not welcome at the church, um, for, for what, for what it was about. Um, and Mm -hmm. so I was just like, holy crap, like you, you have the perfect opportunity to show like everybody, everybody can function as a, as a healthy symbiotic church group. You mm-hmm. should, this shouldn't be a problem. This has long since been resolved. Like these are, you know, it, it was childhood drama. You know what I mean? And yeah. so like, so these are things decades sh- at this point, it was decades. Yeah. And so it was just like a very, it was grudges. You know what I mean? Like former grudges being held when there really was no reason for that. You know what I mean? Like it, it was, mm-hmm. it was the silly church dramas that happened. You know what I mean? Um, and so for it to come up after decades, um, was really, it was, it was eye-opening to me how, how controlling a group of people can be and, and not allow growth and not allow reconciliation and not allow people to, to have evolved and grow in their faith. You know what I mean? Um, and it was something that would have never been an issue because it would have never been brought up. It would have never, you know what I mean? Like nothing would have happened. And so, um, so it was really, really one, it was hurtful because like we thought we had, you know, we had relationships with people in that church that were positive. And so that's why, what had enticed us to even want to go to that church. And so then those relationships obviously dissolved quite quickly, Mm. Uh, which was, which was, which was a very, that was a very traumatic thing for me because like, it was, it was a very good, um, friend, you know? And so like, it it was something that I had to work through, um, wondering like, okay, well, would, would Christ really put a roadblock? Like, are we acting in Christ if we're telling people, well, no, you can't come to the church and you can't come to the church, but they can come to the church because they're already here. And we're not going to do, you know, like it, like it, again, we start to pick and choose who's allowed to come to the church based on what we're humanly afraid of Mm -hmm. when, 
you don't know. You know what I mean? And, and to me, again, like you should be able to attend any church that you want. And as long as you're not causing a disturbance, like if somebody else is having an issue, that's something that, you know what I mean? That clearly they have to work through. Obviously you don't throw a roadblock into somebody else's faith if you don't have to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not saying that either, but like, it, 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 you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be picking and choosing who's attending your church based on somebody else's opinion of that person without giving the other person the opportunity to show themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and I think you bring up a good point where, where it's about fear. Right. Because it's, it's, it's like something, it's almost like the church and this is kind of where the Pentecostals probably have it right in some ways, mm -hmm. you know, they don't, they, their fear is not in the Pentecostal category, you know, no. for them, it's about, you know, let's, see let's just be moved by the spirit how the spirit moves so even when it comes to just basic relationships or infrastructure it's like you know if certain people want to come to the church regardless if there's past history you know i would assume the pentecostal would say okay well let's just see how it goes yeah it goes if exactly there, and if there is tension if there is something that's causing a conflict then, then we deal with it. Then we deal with it and not necessarily deal with it like, oh, okay, well, you guys just, you know, you guys just came here. You've been here for a couple of Sundays. There's conflict, you know, bye-bye. Bye. But it's more of like, okay, let's see what's the issue. Let's reconcile it. Yeah. And if reconciles and if reconciliation can't happen, then at least at the point there was an attempt. And then right. I would think even if that, and then let's, and I'm just going to like, you know, what if it here, but even yeah. if it was that your situation, there was a moment of reconciliation between you, this other party and the pastor there. And at the end of the day, reconciliation didn't happen. And then that's you okay too. And Matt left. And let's say you yep. and Matt left, at least you would probably have a bed different, maybe you still be hurt or bummed, but I feel like, but you tried feel it wouldn't be cut as so deep because at least there was an exactly. Attempt. Exactly. Exactly. And that's truly like for me too. And, th and this was years ago, but truly to this day, like, I just, I, I feel like, okay, there wasn't even an attempt, like you said. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and that's why I sit there and I'm like, okay, so if we're, if, if we're stereotypically on paper, a decent, like there's no, there's no red flags. If you looked at like, if there was a resume for attending a church, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which I really felt like we wound up doing. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've never had to have a resume to walk into a church, but I sure felt like it at that point. Oh, but, wow. um, but like, when you look at like our, our quote unquote air quotes resume, mm -hmm. we were like an idea. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing wrong with us attending any church. You know what I mean? Like in the, in the churchy stereotypical way. Um, so then to be told, no, you can't come. I immediately felt like, holy. And, and we talked about this, but like, I honestly felt like, holy shit, no wonder people don't come to church. Yeah. Like if, if we're checking all the boxes and we still can't, and we're still being told, no, you can't come. Like how do these people who like are overcoming addictions are in nasty divorces have weird family situations or any number of things that make them feel judged why would they want to come you know exactly. what i mean and and so like from that point i like i i really feel like after that i was like do i even want to be part of of a church that is so flawed you know and, and when i say part of a church i mean like again american church not just a particular church but like 
do I want to be part of something that is making people feel so alienated and so pushed away in so many ways? You know, because like, I just, again, I'm reading the Bible and I'm seeing Christ in this one way, but then I don't see it being reflected in a lot of churches, you know? Um, Obviously since then we've found an incredible church that we absolutely love. Um, And obviously with COVID and things like we don't go in person as much, Mm -hmm. Um, but I absolutely love them because we've, we've found that home that's diverse, that's welcoming that they like, they're doing the AA meetings and the drug addiction meetings. And every, every week they try to find um, different people from different cultures to at least pray in a different language. Um, and, And like, those are little things. But those little things are the things that invite people in because they might see themselves in that small moment. They, they find their humanity. They find their piece of the puzzle that they need in those small things. You know, um, and I think that's where Christ is most profound is in those little gestures where it's not this whitewashed, safe Jesus that America has created. Yeah. And 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 so I just I really feel like we apply way too many roadblocks. We make things harder on people than it needs to be and especially nowadays everyone needs grace. And <laughs> and 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 we just like we make it so hard on people to to find the grace for themselves. So why would they go out of their way? You know what I mean? To be even more uncomfortable. Like yeah. I just I just really feel like the church makes it hard on people and, and unnecessarily. So I just want to see the church be a little more open to grace and to patience and to second chances, because Lord knows, like we're all here because of second chances, you know, um, some of us here for more chances. And more chances. We're, on our, we're on our 45th chance. Bro, I lost count. God, God <laughs> is on, God's on a few few notebooks full of things for me, <laughs> but I'm um, thankful he keeps waiting on me and working on me. So, all right, good. yeah, I think those are like, and, th- and that's a very small, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, those are different things um, that have happened to me. I think, uh, I think the other thing too, and this is like, again, I'm going to completely like skirt off into a, lo- a left field thing. Um, but it's yes. something that I have discussed with um, one of my family members a lot, um, particularly for females in mm-hmm. the the church um which i don't think we get i i have not heard many people touch on this so i'm just like gonna dive dive into it but um Let's do it i i think that sexuality and the representation of sexuality as in like sex in general within the church and how we present it is damaging and i think purity culture really has harmed a generation and and i think that's another thing that like also i've been unpacking for myself you know i mean for for over a decade um and and i think it's something that we don't hear talked about and i think that's another part of the church in america and even the church in general you know i can't speak to other countries and whatever but i think the church in general at least when i was growing up was very hyper focused on purity culture which is looking back very damaging and it's probably um, more focused on women than it was for me on, very much so um and and that's something that um my my family member and i have talked about is the fact that like i remember having to sign a purity contract <laughs> and looking back i'm like that was the dumbest thing ever and i've, I've signed one too i remember signing yeah. one too but yeah but i just i feel like um I feel like the purity culture presented in the church, while it was intended as a good thing, mm-hmm. 
I think that we presented it in such a damaging way long term because I feel like one, it was it became very heavy on the females part to not tempt a male. God forbid, you know, like the two-piece swimsuit was like the biggest sin a teen girl could do to go to like a swimming party at a at a church was to show up in a oh, two-piece. Yeah. Um, that was the height of sin at, at 14. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I, I remember like, don't tempt the guys. Uh, they can't, they can't help it. You know, you have to do what you can to protect your brother's eyes. And I'm like, and look, and, and I, I accepted that. I'm like, okay, so I got to wear t-shirts. I got to, you know, like, and I just, I accepted it. But looking back, I'm like, we basically gave the guys a pass oh, yeah. to, to be, slobs you know i'm like we're basically saying that they can't control their their sexual drive and yet we are responsible for both parties in this and so like you you automatically like set women up to feel like we like and the the other thing that i found very profound i was reading um and it said that in the purity culture we set women up to feel like we are giving something we are giving virginity we are giving you know you like that's that's a Mm -hmm. one-time gift and the guys are set up that they're taking it. So when you set up a give and take relationship that's so one-sided that way, the women are fearful to give, but the guys don't feel any fear to take. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so we're 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 hurting mm. both parties in the sense of how we're setting up that that power dynamic, right? Yeah. Um whereas I feel like we need to as a church be open and the other thing too is like even though we were talking about purity culture, we, it was, it was almost taboo to talk about sex. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's something you didn't do. So you don't talk about it. Yeah. Like that's reserved for adults. That's a reserve for marriage. We're not going to talk about it. Like, but if we don't talk about something, then it's really just becoming a mystery to that person. And it makes people want to do it just to see what, you know what I mean? Like they're like, well, oh, yeah. I, I'm curious about it, you know? Um, and so you've got kids who are, you know, hormones are raging and you are not talking about it. And then things happen. And then the church judges. And again, people then, teen pregnancy happens they're afraid to be judged it's it's a cycle you know what i mean it all comes back to that fear of judgment and and i feel like if we are open about sexuality and how the bible states that it is a good thing you know what i mean like the bible celebrates sex <laughs> and oh, yeah. and yet we don't talk about it in that way when we're educating our young people about it you know and um mm-hmm. i feel like if we if we were able to help, like have, have a healthy conversation about sex with our young people as they're growing up in the church and say, you know, like, Hey, here are options. You know what I mean? Like, this is what we feel the Bible states, but here are options. You know what I mean? You're not alone. You're not, you know what I mean? Like give it a safe space to have these conversations. You're not going to see as much teen pregnancy because they have options. Yeah. Then you're not going to see abortion rates. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they've had their options. You know what I mean? And, and the church takes such a huge, strong stance on like, you know, being pro-life. But what I see across the board, regardless of whether we're talking about sex, we're talking about LGBTQIA, we're talking about random people just not feeling like they can come to the church. We say we're pro-life in the church, but what I see is we're pro-birth. And once mm. somebody is topside on earth, that, that pro-life stance, I really question it a lot of times because do, do we as the church have the AA meetings. Do we have mm-hmm. the the opportunities to go out and help the homeless? Do we embrace the teens who do get pregnant, or do we judge them and they're scared to come back? Do we educate them on 
social issues after the fact that they're pregnant, you yeah. know, um, and, and you bring up so you, much there. Yeah. And you bring up a good point and there's actually two great points. Cause you first let's, I mean, I've, I've talked, I just like word culture. vomited. I'm so sorry. Oh No, it's okay. You're good. <laughs> no, you gotta, you, you need to get it out. Let's get it out. No, but you're, there's two things. First, you kind of, I, I love the, the thing that you said you read about how, you know, women have this gift, which is virginity. And then men are the takers of that. Yeah, and I feel like even if we take sex out of that and just basic relationship or basic yes. marriage, you have set yeah. up a marriage where it's the woman that has to always provide for the man and the man gets what he yes. takes. And if the woman yes. can no longer provide for the man, whether it be, you know, she she's just not, you know having sex with him because of, you know, postpartum depression, or he can't, or she can't give him kids because of infertility issues. Then all that goes is like, well, if I can't get anything from you anymore, then I'm going to, you know, go somewhere else where I can get what I need. And then it's the women who are kind of the, you know, who kind of serve a secondary purpose when it should be where marriage should be at least from how I teach it is something about doing good for everyone. And even not only like, almost like, almost like, you know, I, I, and when I do, I'm trying to hold on. I'm now I'm my tum tongue tied. I do apologize, Megan. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> there's so much to unpack. Like, oh, yeah, I, there is, like, there is. There, there's but a lot to unpack. I, but, but when I usually do marriage counseling, I always use a book called his needs, her needs, where it always talks about, you know, everybody has these core needs that need to be met. And they're always yeah. different for each person. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, Matt, you know, has certain needs that you meet and you have certain needs that Matt met, but it's mostly, right. but it's mutual agreed upon. Like these are my top five needs. And yeah, like maybe like, you know, Matt's needs recreation, co recreational companionship. I don't know, Matt. So maybe he <laughs> likes, so he wants to go play tennis with you sometime. And even though you're like, man, I'm horrible at tennis, I'll go play tennis. We're, we're playing tennis. Yep. I'll go play tennis because at least it's, it's fulfilling a need where your yeah. needs more of just like great conversations and just having like more conversations. So, you know, Matt, maybe Matt's not a big talker. So, you know, but you <laughs> want to talk all the time. So it's like, well, when I talk with, when my husband sits there and I get to talk with them, that's fulfilling a need an emotional yeah. need for me. Um, yeah. For so sure. that's the one thing. The other thing that you said that was very profound is that about life. And I've always come to that same thing where, you know, we always talk about pro-life. And I think this is where it goes to an earlier point where I feel like the American church is not a biblical church, but it is no. a biblical and a political church that's intertwined together. Because and that's I'm, a dangerous I'm, place to be. It is because it's very, because again, like if you think about, you know, people who say they're pro-life, yeah, they're pro-life, making sure that that baby from conception all the way till they exit the womb, we want to protect that. But then but what happens not, after? But then, but then any programs to help the, you know, the the struggling family to raise this child or the single mom to raise this child. Yeah. Oh, those are gone. Um, any type of good, you know, trying to do programs so that this young kid can go to these places to have healthy um figures like a boys and girls club you know that that stuff well no we're, we're not for that and then again right. and, I, and i always think about the life of that kid you know and i and, yep. and this is more stereotype than anything um but it's like you know this kid we have all these people say well we want this we, we want to protect this kid and then he comes out he or she comes out of the womb and all of now a sudden what? there's no support 
Exactly. And they get to a point where where's their support? Well, their support is in gangs or their support is going down the, the rough path. And then let's say they get to a point where they, you know, go to jail and they're on death row. And then, of course, the same people who are pro that person's life when they were in the womb, they're now saying, now, okay, now, we're pro, now let's kill this person. <laughs> Exactly. And that's and I feel like that. How can you say you're pro-life and still be pro-death penalty? Exactly. Because, because if you're pro-life, you're pro everything. Pro, right. That's why when people go, what are you? I'm like, well, I'm pro-life, but I'm pro all life, which means I if th- if that child's born, I want to make sure the church, if, if there's no government program to help that struggling mother or that struggling uh, family. I want to make sure the church can provide a food pantry or yeah. just give diapers because yeah. diapers, I mean, we did cloth diapers and, you know, it, it was, they're expensive right off the bat. But then after that, you know, we didn't have to pay for any paper diapers, but I know people who go to paper diaper, right? Those are, those are expensive. It's expensive quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. That racks up thousands of dollars a year on diapers. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, great. So, I mean, you kind of mentioned a little bit about where you are now at your faith development that, you know, you are kind of going to church. You found a place where you feel like you can be a part of a Christian community that you and your husband and your son are able to find. So what are some other yeah. things that you are seeing that's kind of helping, you know, elevate or kind of kind of grow in your faith? I so I, I really love um my one, like I love, I was gonna say my one sister-in-law. I have two sister-in-laws. I love them both. <laughs> so, but um, the the one, um, her and I, we don't we don't talk like super super frequently. But we, whenever we talk, I always love our conversations because she's she's very similar in the fact that like we we both don't have any fear of just diving deep. Like this conversation right now is giving me life just because like I love actually like having these conversations mm-hmm. like we're not, we may not solve world hunger today but just like <laughs> d- d- diving in and really you know what i mean like it's yeah. almost cathartic you know oh, um, yeah. to just like be like okay i'm not crazy there's like somebody out there who's like, we're having this conversation together um and so her and i have a lot of conversations that i just really really value and so a lot of times like i'll pick her brain about things and know like she she's a she's a person that I really value um, her opinion and so I've I've had a lot of conversations with her um, and I actually I really love like talking to people who are in different religions than me um, simply because I feel like we miss out a lot of times like I know when I was growing up like if somebody was a different faith or even just a different um, like variety of Christian mm-hmm. and when I say that I mean like. Seventh day Adventist, Mormon, or mm-hmm. just Pentecostal, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, like just like any any variety of different, like we were like, oh, well, they don't believe the same as us, so we can't talk to them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, and not like you can't talk to them, but like you wouldn't have a faith-based conversation with them. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, and so I've actually really loved having faith-based conversations with my friends that are Muslim, are Buddhist, um, and and just hearing their take on things and how they how they find and see the world and and it's really helped me educate myself and ground myself in what I believe mm-hmm. and how to be a better Christian in the sense of like how do I meet somebody where they are you know mm-hmm. um and one of my friends is is very agnostic um and and very anti-missionary so when we first met and she found out what I went to school for 
she was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get along here. Exactly. But we ended up having like absolutely incredible conversations. And she actually really changed my opinion on colonialism mm. and, and, um, the white savior complex, you oh, know what yeah. I mean? Um, and so like, those are a lot of different things that, that I see in the church, again, the American church really struggling with and hearing her take and having her share, you know, like why she believes the way that she believes. I'm like, you know what, you have valid opinions. And like having those conversations with people who, when I was younger, I'd have been like, well, you don't believe the way I believe and you're wrong. Like now when I have those conversations with people, I'm like, you know what, I can, I can hear where you're coming from. I can hear where, where like your experiences have brought you to these thought processes. And I appreciate that. And I can actually take that in and add it to my experience. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I feel, I feel like, you know, after having conversations with her about colonialism and how um, as a missionary, like it's a missionaries can be damaging if it's done in the American sense of the word quite mm. more often than not. Um, it's interesting because then it changed how I approach having conversations about my faith with people who may not identify with Christianity, yeah. you know? Um, and, and I mean, I've always heard, you know, like preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we're all told that, but we don't really know what that means. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't really see people practice that a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so like, that was really profound to have like conversations with people outside of my faith to where I learned how to be a better Christian through not using words, just shutting up and listening mm -hmm. and being there for people who may not identify with the same faith base that I do, but through just shutting up and being there for them, they saw Christ through me in, in a way that may, maybe it's not the beating over the head with the Bible, but they see, oh, okay, there's a different, there's a different way to be a Christian. You don't have to be proselytized until you're blue in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I think that that's like a really big thing for me is, is learning how to be a better, a, a better model of Christ without necessarily having to say anything at all. Um, yeah. and I always, I always try to remember and read and, 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 and focus on how, how can I, how can I be a positive impact on the world and show my faith without, um, without shoving it down somebody, you know what I mean? Or making, yeah. or making them feel uncomfortable or making them feel like they were forced to experience something that they didn't sign up for, you know? Exactly. Um, and, it, and if faith comes up more often than not, I have, I have plenty of conversations with people that I, I would like be very shocked. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I, you know, started the conversation, I would have never imagined we would have gotten to faith. You know what I mean? Um, just by not talking about it, you know what I mean? Um, questions come up. They're like, so what do you, you know, like just interact, regular interactions can lead to Christ's conversations. And I feel like that's where I want to see the um, American church come back to is us living our faith in a way that it's not necessarily us running around wearing a church t-shirt and, you know, throwing whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like those quiet moments, those quiet interactions that have nothing to do with the church, but lead people to the church. And yeah. and when I, like, and when I say the church, I mean Christ. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, like, I, I want to see that for America. You know what I mean? Because that's what I feel like we've lost is, is like that true relationship based faith that Christ wanted for us. Not yeah. the, not the showy Sunday morning. 
I'm going to Joel Olstein it, you know, <laughs> but, but you know, we don't, like, want, we don't want, we don't want manufactured spectacle, right? Exactly. Exactly. But America loves manufactured spectacles. Oh, yeah. And so like, and, and, and that's the struggle for America in general. Right. And so yeah. like, I just, I feel like we need to remember that we are not, we, we, we don't need a packaged product, right? We need, yeah. we need relationships. And, and when we truly look at what Christ did, he sat down with everyone, literally everyone. And he did, he, there were no roadblocks to him. He, yeah. he alleviated roadblocks at every turn, confused the hell out of his disciples doing it, but um, even confused the people he was talking to like, the Samaritan exactly. woman. like, why are you, why are you asking me? For why are you here? You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan. What's exactly. happening. My mind is blown. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like he removed roadblocks that people were putting up for themselves, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so like, I just, I want to see that, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and I feel like we will, we will see the, the, the renaissance, the reconnection to faith when we present it the way that I see it presented by Christ. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's hard. Like it's it not is. perfect. And, and we're, we're human. You know what I mean? Like that's the other part of it is it will never, this will never happen until Christ. You know what I mean? But mm. trying, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just, just that, that, that continual grace to try and get there again. You know, exactly. I think that's, I think that's what matters. Absolutely, Megan. Well, Megan, again, thank you so much for being on our show and sharing your story and sharing your insight. Uh, for anybody who may be interested in going, oh, you know, because again, I have listeners all over the world, apparently. I keep seeing them, my geographical map and I'm blown away like, oh, there's people who are listening to me in Kazakhstan. Like, that's weird. But that's um, wild. it is. It's very wild. So where can people find you and find your uh, photography work? Oh, man. Um, not now that I've like, uh, set the whole world on fire with my comments, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, uh, so my, my photography is studio 22 photography. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at studio 22 photography and it's studio two, two photography. Um, and then my website is www.choosestudio22.com. Um, and I'm very active on Instagram and I do, I do stream, video games that's like my other my alter ego in life yeah um, <laughs> yeah you know like and it's really funny because that's a whole other thing like i'm like oh god um now people are going to see a really weird side of me um but I, I i will put a disclaimer on that and say that i am wildly inappropriate on, on on twitch um but uh but i do it in good fun i i make fun of myself most of the time but i again like we'll get into conversations it's, it's really interesting because i always tell people i'm like we're not going to talk about politics religion anything on my Instagram or on my, on my uh, Twitch, but then we always end up going there anyway. So, <laughs> but I'm like, if I bring it up, then we can go there. Just don't bring it up, you know, in the chat. Um, I'll ban you. <laughs> or I'll ban you. It's the only place I have power. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I really love, I love Twitch. Um, and so my, my name on there is Mac Dizzle do. Um, and I usually, I'm, I'm, I'm usually playing uh, shooter video games, ironically, <laughs> but, um, but I, I love a good photography um, shooting. It's all, shooting, you know, it's, it's all there, you know, you're aiming at something, but Next um, thing you're going to be playing fatal frame and taking pictures. Of oh ghosts. God, dude, I'm telling you Pokemon snap. It, that that was meant for me they built that game for me i take <laughs> pictures of pokemon and there we go but um but yeah so you can if you want to hang out with me in a different variety uh 
my Twitch is Mac Dizzle Do, um, and then the photography is Studio Twenty Two Photography. So, all right. Well, thank you, Megan, so much for joining me, and thank you guys for uh, listening to this podcast. I hope this has been very informative. I believe this is going to be my last podcast on this series. I'm still debating if we're going to have like a, a reunion episode where we'll bring everyone back and just kind of talk about the aftermath of everything uh, so far. But if you have a comment or question, or even if you just want to hear. I uh, want to just know what you think of the show. Feel free to go to my website, thescottstebman.com. You can send me an email there. I'd love to hear from you, or you can go uh, listen to this podcast on any other channel. Uh, any Anywhere you can find a podcast, you're probably going to find this podcast. And guys, again, I thank you so much for the love and support, and I hope to have a new episode for you next week, guys. All right, much love. Take care. Bye. Bye.